Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 You guys are on fire tonight, man. Making it fun. In for Bertie Fratto. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Ladies and gents, enjoy. Embrace the last Sunday without the NFL until the bye week before the Super Bowl. It's awesome. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to mow my yard because I'm literally, it's going to be the last chance to get to do it. Honey, sorry. Uh, we got games on. You get, an, you get a good college. I probably shouldn't say that. You get an interesting college football game tomorrow night. You get an interesting college football game, well, I guess tonight. Uh, now, officially in the West Coast, too. Welcome to Sunday, peeps. But... I'm so intrigued by LSU and Florida State, and I use the word intrigued. Uh, we, we can break out the the what the thesaurus or get, get some more synonyms later on for other words, but I am very uh, interested in what happens with Florida State. I, I've kind of fallen for Florida State after not just their win over Duquesne, but how good they were in the early season last year. I like Mike Norvell a lot. You get um, a, a Brian Kelly-led LSU team that is that's been infused with uh, some good transfers. 
and that's going to be a rocking environment tonight inside the Superdome. But I'm very, I'm very interested in what Florida State can become. I feel like that ACC is still up for grabs. Dabo Sweeney and Clemson's going to play on Monday night. Oh, he's completely rebuilt his coaching staff, and Dabo has done it in a different way than most traditionally do. Right? You, you see a head coach that loses a coordinator, be it offensive or defensive coordinator, and when you're at a prestigious, dare I say, blue blood school when it comes to Clemson, you might go out and hire the best offensive coordinator available, the best defensive coordinator available. You're battling, right? Well, he promoted from within. He's he promoted from within on on both offensive and defensive coordinators. It's it's cool to see um, Nick, Nick Saban's done it to a certain degree, but Saban you know has has done a little differently because he had his like coaching rehab thing that everyone talks about the Saban image rehab clinic, however you want to term it. He's done, it, but even with Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien had just been let go from the Texans. So I, I again. It's unique what Dabo is doing, so it's interesting to see tomorrow night. But as, as we put a wrap on the first full Saturday of college football, welcome in. Bernie is getting his batteries recharged before the first full Sunday of the National Football League, and you can imagine my man Bernie Fratto will be all over that. But the whole crew is here. Nick Cope's on updates. Uh, Chris Perfett is, is, is on the wheels of steel, making sure we stay on track. BT, I mean, we, we were talking about opening it up at 877-99 on Fox. 877-996-6369. And we would love to hear from you on the show tonight. Uh, Twitter. Twitter is a buzz. I'm at Plank Show. Everybody should be following us at Fox Sports Radio. But I asked a very simple easy, low-hanging fruit question for the start of this show. Easy, easy, easy. And here's the question. What's your biggest takeaway from the first full Saturday of college football? That's also something you can jump in on the phones if you'd like at 877-99 on Fox. Let me get a couple of these early ones because I think a few of these are, are, are really, really good. Right, how about this? For the Oh, this is going to be your playoffs? You got the 10th the best team in Oregon versus that? Yeah. <laughs> because preseason polls always have it right. But I like what Big C in West Virginia writes. There shouldn't be any polls until after week three. Thank you. Thank you. Pre, there, there are certain things that I revolt against, okay? One of them is power rankings. Power rankings are dumb. We have standings. Number two, I've never understood preseason polls, preseason rankings, um, for anything that you put any credence in, right? I, I get it from a content perspective. Preseason polls should be taken for what they are. They're for us to talk about. They're for you to fight about on social media. They're for coaches to use as disrespect. They're, they're not anything that should have any relevance that's my favorite thing everyone wants to say same four teams all the time blah well michigan was unranked at the start of the season last year and ended up in the four team playoff i mean iowa state north carolina i mean oklahoma finished 11 and 2 and it was apparently a terrible season but all those teams were top five top 10 teams that did not finish there so you know we we get we want to get caught up on preseason polls and, and and put a number next to a team when they haven't accomplished anything. It's just dumb. And it, it skews perspectives, right? It, it skews perspectives on games and teams and things of that nature, which it's 
which is why, I guess more than anything else, which is why people get carried away with what college football is. Oh, it's just a bunch of great teams beating a bunch of bad teams. No, it's just a team that maybe got a little bit too much preseason hype that's not as good as it it is going to be. Or maybe it's a team that early in the season isn't where they need to be because either they're young or it's a new coach or they've got a new starting quarterback and they got to get better. I'll, I'll give you a great – I don't want to get caught up in the past today, but think about this. Oklahoma State. The Cowboys. I'm going back to 2021. Oklahoma State maybe had one of the worst non-conference performances ever. They Missouri State was knocking on the door of the red. Let me let me go ahead and, and shape this right before OSU fans get mad at me. But the worst non-conference performances ever for a team that finished three and zero. There you go. Missouri State was knocking on the door to tie the game in the red zone in Stillwater in their opener last year. My alma mater, the beloved University of Tulsa Golden Hurricane, I know you all love him, was fighting and scratching and clawing in a one-score game in the closing seconds of that day in Stillwater. Boise State lost by one when the Broncos, I think, forced three turnovers, four turnovers in that game. So they won their... They won their three non-conference games by, like, a score in each of them. 7-14, like 15 points combined in their three games. And then they damn near ran the table in the Big 12. Their only loss came to Iowa State on a poorly spotted fourth down. They, they beat their rival in Oklahoma. And if it was just one more hair, one more leaf of grass, they would have beaten Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. Now, they didn't. Baylor went on and won their bowl game. Oklahoma State went on and won their bowl game. My point in laying that all out is not only are preseason rankings stupid and and dumb, but making bombastic sweeping over-the-top proclamations after week one is is equally as, I don't know, ill-fated. Now, that doesn't help us out very much whenever we have uh, two hours and 52 minutes still to go tonight. So I welcome and I embrace all of your hot takes from week one. But I hope they all come with a caveat and that asterisk. You know, as, as, our, as our friend Arnie Spanier likes to say on Sunday nights, the show's tonight. It's not next week or it's not two weeks ago. So with the show tonight, I think we all take some of our over-the-top analysis and, and maybe realize what they are. A little knee-jerky. But Big C in West V is on it. The fact that we have early season polls is very simply for us. It's for you and I. Uh, Bernie Fratto's out. My name is Chris Plank, Fox Sports Radio. The whole crew is here. Uh, Chris Perfett, Nick Cope, BV. Uh, BV. BV's Brent Venables, the OU football coach. If he's still up, coach, you can call in. But BT taking your calls at 877-99 on Fox. Here is a couple final notes before the game's kicked off today to give you an idea of just how interesting some of the odds were, right? Because we're a big gambling community now, right? That's what matters the most, gambling. The opening lines were released on May 19th. So that's when the the first group of spreads came out, May 19th. Two games, teams switched from underdogs to favorites. 
North Carolina for just this Saturday. Now, you had a couple of them happen in the, the Thursday games and the Friday games, but for the Saturday games, only two teams switched from underdogs to favorites. North Carolina went from a three-point favorite at App State to a one-point underdog. And Utah went from a one-and-a-half-point dog to a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Florida. There were four teams that had the spread move the most for the favorite. By the way, in those two games where they moved, App State as a favorite lost in a wild game. And Florida, as an underdog, home dog, ended up winning the game. Western Kentucky at Hawaii went up eight points. Utah State and Alabama went up seven points, which give Alabama all the points. Ball State at Tennessee went up five and a half points. And Tulsa at Wyoming moved four points. Now, Was that some reaction maybe from some teams seeing Wyoming in week zero? Maybe. Or Utah State in week zero? Maybe. Or Hawaii in week zero? Probably. But fascinating to see how knee-jerky we are from just one performance when when it just came to gambling and it came to the spreads. Three games went up three and a half points with the favorites being Ohio State, SMU, and Maryland. And there were spreads that moved the most for the underdog, including uh, Bowling Green somehow gaining eight points on UCLA. And Utah, even though the Sooners still covered, moving five and a half points against UTEP. You had some massive spread movements throughout the day leading up to the game. And in the end, it seemed like it was a pretty good day for the favorites. Seemed like it was a pretty good day for those who came into the weekend expecting to win. And I I mean, we're we're all living in Georgia's world right now and Alabama's world. They they seem to be on a collision course for a return to the national championship. They don't play each other during the regular season. They'll likely meet up in the in the conference championship game. And I know some of you are like, oh, this again. Yeah, and it's going to be awesome. Georgia won today, 49 to three. We got highlights coming up, uh, if not next segment at the bottom of the hour. But if you're looking for places where Georgia could trip up, if you're looking for places where Georgia could be in trouble, it's, it's not really there. I want to believe South Carolina could do it in week three, but I think there's still going to be some. I love Shane Beamer. He, he's a stud. And they've got a big Oklahoma transfer. In Shane, um, is Shane Beamer going to be their quarterback too? And Spencer Rattler, their quarterback. And Austin Stogner, one of their star tight ends. But as Shane Beamer said last year after the South Carolina-Georgia game, they got five stars everywhere. They still do. So I think it's going to be tough for South Carolina, even with a raucous crowd, even early in the season, looking at Georgia today. I just, that's not, that ain't it. Um, Everyone looks for road games. Kentucky maybe in the next to last week of the season, maybe. But who knows where Kentucky is by November 19th. And let's see what happens with Florida and Tennessee. Because that is an intriguing back-to-back. But we're looking later in the season. So if you're trying to find a spot where you think Georgia might be vulnerable, it's tough. It, it is tough with the way they're playing, with the way the roster has been brilliantly put together by Kirby Smart and his staff. And with Stetson Bennett looking like he did today, Good luck in trying to slow that down. And speaking of good luck trying to slow it down, 
Alabama wins 55-0, to zero, where could that loss come? Well, if, if Vince Young can somehow get eligibility back and they could, I don't know, take him to the Citadel of Ricks and he can kind of take half his life off right now and just make him back to be 21 years old, then maybe Texas has a chance. But I think that's going to be an absolute rout next Saturday in Austin. But even whenever Arkansas was good last year and, and Alabama housed him, maybe you look at a chance in, in, in October for the Arkansas game. I, I know the grudge game, everyone's talking about a prime time on October 8th for Alabama and A&M. I will say, Alabama does have one really tough road test that I think is more challenging than, than any road game that I see on Georgia's schedule. Georgia gets Tennessee at home. Alabama has to go to Tennessee. And it doesn't seem like the tide are too affected home or away. But that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if, if Josh Heupel and Tennessee have anything for Alabama by the time that we reach. What would that be, like week seven? So if, if you look at Alabama and Georgia after today's Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Combined whoopings that they put on Utah State and Oregon. And you try to find a place where they're vulnerable and they could be had. It's tough. Now, now nobody saw Alabama going to A&M and losing last year. And nobody saw... Alabama needing a, a, a late drive to find a way to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl last year. It's wild. We, we talk, and, and I'm sitting here guilty of it tonight, but we talk about how impossible it is to beat these teams, and both of them were handed L's last year. Now, granted, Georgia's was to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and Alabama lost that regular season showdown to A&M before eventually losing to Georgia in the national championship game, right? It's, some people's 11-2, and 12-2 looks much different than others. 
So I, I understand when I say, man, I don't see a spot in their schedule. It's hard to go undefeated. And it's really hard to do it in a regular season a couple of years in a row. But one hot, scorching take from week one, I don't know, man. I don't know if anyone's going to have anything for these two teams. And there doesn't seem to be a spot on their schedule where anyone can get them. It, those are one of those few places, Big C and West V, where it doesn't matter what the number is in front of them. They probably had Alabama and Georgia pretty properly ranked. And, and there, of course, is those things we can't quantify. There's those things that we can't really gauge or, 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 or figure out, and that's injuries. I don't know how healthy they're going to stay. You know, it's, Georgia was incredibly healthy for a majority of last season. Same for Alabama. I mean, two years in a row – of not having too many major injuries would be almost unheard of. But if they stay healthy, they're going to be hard outs. And before you give me your, that's why we shouldn't expand. Even if we didn't expand the playoffs, Alabama and Georgia would be hard outs. (laughs) I mean, it's just the reality of where we are in college football right now. All right, let's hit the highlights of the day. You guys' tweets are great. Want to open it up, get your calls at 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. We're talking Sam Pittman and cold beer. We're talking a a near upset that would have upset the ACC. And we're talking dominating performances in the debut of new coaches in new places. It's all coming up on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, let's go. It's... Like the Bernie Fratto show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm, I'm always tough with that transition from straight out of Vegas. Yeah. Fox Football Sunday? Is that what we are? I don't know. Let's go with it, that. Whatever you guys want. I, I'm, I've got – we can go Plank Show. We can go Fox Football Sunday. We can go the Bernie Fratto show. We can go the, the Chris Perfett hour. We can go uh, the Nick don't Cope get my update extravaganza. Like we could go the BT program. I, whatever you guys want. But I know this. Um, we've got some topics that we're going to get into deep. Uh, I, I, every time I say that I want to get to the highlight, something else pops up on Twitter, and you guys bring up a good point that get, gets my mind racing about a thousand miles an hour. You know, we we haven't really brought it to the air yet, but Chris and I have been just gushing off the air over what we saw from Anthony Richardson today, and. You know, I, I, I get it. We're in a gambling society now, so everything comes back to numbers and odds. But heading into this season, Anthony Richardson was a 40-1, to 1, I guess you could say, relative long shot for the Heisman Trophy. Now, when I say 40-1, to 1, keep in mind, Stetson Bennett looked pretty damn good today, and he's at 60-1. to 1. If you're looking down that list a little bit more, K.J. Jefferson, not too shabby, 66-1. to 1. Um, you know, it, I was kind of holding out hope that Aiden O'Connell might put one on Penn State because that 100-1 to one for a two quarterback might be interesting. But anyway, back to the point. All the Heisman Trophy talk 
has centered around C.J. Stroud. And I, I, I would say if we're just trying to look at potential long-term bets, his Heisman candidacy might have taken a little bit of a hit today. Now, I'm going to make this very clear. If you want to try to use a week one example as to why the college football playoff shouldn't expand, then don't give me any grief if I'm going to use a week one performance to talk about a dude's Heisman stock taking a little bit of a dip. Uh, Stroud did throw for 223 yards and two scores, but it took the grinding running game of Henderson and Williams for Ohio State to win that game. They lost Jackson, Smith, and Jigba early, and they looked lost. So maybe maybe in a guy not being available, it, it elevated his stock. But Perfett, I don't know if there was a guy that – and he had the highlight, right? He had the highlight with the pump fake that fooled the Utah defender. Utah came in as a team that was even a favorite. And Anthony Richardson, who has drawn all the Cam Newton comparisons, man, he, he looked apart in statistically – It wasn't throwing the football, though he was extremely efficient. 17 of 24, just 168. But when he ran it, 11 carries, 106 yards, three scores. For a long shot, I might put a little Heisman Trophy stock in him right now for a future bet. And for me as an NFL guy, too, it's not even just the Heisman stuff. It's also just what I like seeing out of him as I'm someone eyeballing the draft, considering you know I covered the Detroit Lions, and quarterback is definitely on the list of needs right now. Like He's got everything. I know the Cam Newton comparisons are right there, especially when he has three rushing touchdowns right away, but he's more than that. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's got, He ran, I thought, play action very well out there, enough to, to fool a lot of guys as he goes in for that. Yeah. It's even how he reads the field. Like He's not... He, he went through his progressions, and then but then he immediately read the field enough to see the hole where he ran for that 45-yard touchdown. He's not exactly – he's not just looking at his first read and immediately bolting, but he's he looks good out there. He looks like he can command an offense incredibly well. He's got mm-hmm. great poise and everything, and just – it's I, – I, I, you know what he looks like? He looks like kind of – remember last year, everyone was really interested in Malik Willis at Liberty, but Richardson's playing like a more pro-ready – Malik Willis just just from what I've seen and it's the Utah Utes they're like they're no slouches like there's there's guys on there who play very good on defense and and Richardson just kind of ran them over it was um, a lot of people's pick potentially go to the playoffs out of the Pac-12 and he looked good I will say before we get Nick Cope's update I mentioned a name that probably won't get any Heisman buzz but damn he looked good today and that's Stetson Bennett you know (laughs) Bennett, to me, in the in the Georgia 49-3 win over Oregon, Bennett, to, to me, was uh, always viewed as a liability. Georgia's got this great defense and this great running game, and, well, we need JT Daniels, the five-star, to, to get out there and, and, and take over this team. Well, it, it didn't happen um, this year. Oh, I, think that, I think that it's time for Stetson Bennett to move on. I don't, I don't think that I would come back. If I was Stetson Bennett, I wouldn't want to risk it. Plus, you've got uh, Brock Vandegrift. you got Gunnar Stockton coming in. you got Carson Beck off a redshirt season. Let them battle it out. Well, what does he do? He comes back, and in their opener against Oregon, throws for 368 yards and two scores. I mean, from a liability to that kind of difference maker, 
hell of a performance from Stetson Bennett. All right, highlights coming up next. But right now, let's get caught up on everything going on in the world of sports. I, Nick, is that Nick Copas with us? Is that a Hawaii game still going on? It is still going oh on. God. We still got five minutes to go. Western Kentucky, 49-17 to 17 over Hawaii. It has been a rough start to the season for the Rainbow Warriors. That's a final game of Saturday. Uh, but in the top ten, we had that top five battle in Columbus, and it went to the home team. Stroud arches that one into the end zone. Caught Xavier Johnson. Touchdown, Xavier Johnson on a 24-yard pass from C.J. Stroud, who threw it over the pressure. Paul Keels on the call from Learfield. One of two touchdown passes for Stroud. Number two, Ohio State over number five, Notre Dame, 21 to 10. Buckeyes wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba left with an injury, but Coach Ryan Day suggested it isn't too serious. Number one, Alabama clobbers Utah State, 55 to zip. Bama quarterback Bryce Young matched a Crimson Tide single game record with six total touchdowns. Number three, Georgia scored touchdowns on its first seven drives en route to a 49 to three thumping of number 11, Oregon. Number six, Texas A&M shut out Sam Houston State, 31 to nothing. And you were just talking about it down in the swamp. It was a coming out party for Gators quarterback Anthony Richardson as Florida faced number seven, Utah. Richardson with Montreal Johnson next to him. Keeps after the fake, running right, plows in the end zone. Touchdown, Gators! Touchdown, Gators! RUF Gators Radio Network on the call. Three rushing touchdowns for Richardson. That one put the Gators up 29-26. Utah would have goal to go in the final minute, but Cam Rising was picked off in the end zone, and that would prove to be the final score. Number eight, Michigan blew out Colorado State 51-7. Number nine, Oklahoma gives Coach Brent Venables a win in his debut, 45-13 over UTEP. Number 10, Baylor dominates the Great Danes of Albany, 69-10. And looking at the rest of the top 25, number 13 NC State needed a late missed point after from ECU to escape with a 21 to 10 win. Number 19 Arkansas gets four total touchdowns from KJ Jefferson, their quarterback, and they beat Cincinnati, ranked number 23. Final score there, 31 to 24. Had a wild one. If amidst all this, you might have missed down in San Antonio. Number 24 Houston needed three overtimes to get by UTSA, 37 to 35. The final score there and then finally number 25 BYU in South Florida they had to wait out a two and a half hour weather delay and when it was over the Cougars stomped the Bulls 50 to 21 quickly some baseball updates Angels walked off the Astros two to one in 12 innings Dodgers snapped a three-game losing streak 12 to one win over the Padres Brewers picked up a game on the Phillies for that final NL wild card spot Milwaukee now two and a half games back of Philly Mets pitcher Max Scherzer pulled himself from tonight's game after the fifth inning due to what he called fatigue on his left side. He expects to make his next start, though. And in the U.S. Open, Rafa Nadal, number two seed on the men's side, and the number one seed on the women's side, Iga Sviantek, they both advance with straight set wins in Flushing Meadows. Chris, back to you. Thanks a lot, uh, Nick. You know, it was funny. I saw a, a big hit from Will Anderson on my timeline, and I, I like Will Anderson. I, I think if I'm sitting there at the the top of the draft board and I feel okay about my quarterback situation I think and maybe if maybe even if I don't I mean we got a long time in the process I I think I'd still be looking at the potential of of taking Will Anderson but it's tough to get these guys in Heisman consideration I had Will Anderson on my Heisman ballot last year 
but it was funny to me. I saw there was video. They played Utah State. They beat the snot out of them, like 55 zip, whatever it was. And Will Anderson literally comes off the line of scrimmage unblocked and lights up the Utah State quarterback. And I saw a couple of people like, should have been the Heisman Trophy winner last year. 99.9% of college football players, when they're unblocked, are going to get to the quarterback and take care of them. That doesn't have to be that moment you're like, yeah, guy screwed that one up. You're unblocked. Well, Anderson is a freak. It's why... It's why Alabama is going to be really, really good this year because Will Anderson's elite, and there's a lot of elite defensive talent. But since we were on Oregon and Georgia, how about this quote from from Kirby Smart? He was asked after the game, and I don't know if we have the audio, so I'm and I don't have a Kirby Smart impersonation, so I'm just going to read it. It was the first game that Kirby Smart has played against one of his former assistants, who has moved on to be a head coach, and Dan Lanning. Bulldogs defensive coordinator last year. Obviously frustrating. You know, you're, I'm sure it's embarrassing whenever you're out there and that's your first game and it's a team and a scheme and everything you're familiar with and you get beat like that. But I loved what Kirby Smart said afterwards. And I think this might piss some people off, but I don't care. Quote, he's going to do a really good job at Oregon. He's relentless. They'll bounce back from this and he knows we have better players. He'll never say that. But he knows we've got better players. Now, some of y'all need everyone handled with, like, kid gloves. Dare you say that, Kirby Smart? What do you mean? These? No, no, no. Georgia has better players than Oregon. Georgia has better players than just about everyone in college football. Did you watch the draft? So whenever you have people that are kind of worried about feelings after a game like that, stop it. That's that's a, a credit to the coach. That's a kudos to the coach. Hey, he's going to be fine. He's dealing with the juggernaut right now, and that's the reality of what Georgia is. All right, to Twitter. I asked a very simple question here on a Fox Football Sunday, 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. What was your biggest takeaway for the first full Saturday of college football. Roll through some of these. Keegan writes, my man Keegan Rowe hit me up. Each year a new season starts, the more I fall in love with college football. You know, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I get in these spots where college football season is a lot of work for me, and I love it. It's my busiest time of the year. It's where I make my, uh, my paper, if you will. And it means that you know, family time's pretty much gone. Uh, my, my my fun time is covering sports. I get to do what I love. But I, I, like, fall in love with the hustle more and more every single year. I fall in love with this sport more and more every single year. Do I like everything that it does? No. Is every game great? No. That's, that's not life. That's not sports. But Keegan's right, man. Every single year, I fall more in love with this game. And I, and I think this, this is my opinion. Areas, regions, fans that for some reason are, are, are slow to enjoy college football. I, I think a playoff expansion, I think conference realignment will continue to bring more eyes, continue to make it more intriguing to some. Uh, Justin in Cincinnati writes, the thing that I took away from the first full Saturday of the college football season 
is that college football is about 12 million times better than the NBA. Um, I don't know if I would say 12 million, but it's pretty high in my book. Pretty, pretty high in my book. And listen, it's an unfair comparison to 12 game regular season versus what is the NBA play 82. It's, it's quick. It's fast moving. I, I think it's infinite. It's number two. NFL's number one. College football's number two. And I and I think I think the ratings have pretty much bore that out as well. And I think it's going to continue to grow. You know, college football, it's I'll never understand those who complain about it. I, I just it, it will never resonate with me. We opened the show with this conversation. I'll never understand anyone seeing a college football Saturday coming up and thinking, well, that's the week I need to take off. Or that's the Friday or Thursday I need to take off. What? We we spent all off-season waiting for this. What are you doing? Uh, Radio's Ryan. My man Ryan Chapman writes that college football has the juice. Tend to agree a little bit with Paul, Bill's Mafia. Maybe a, a, a little bit underwhelming in, in the way that, you know, one of the big games plays out. Here, here's part of the problem with college football is you're not going to have – 32 great matchups every single weekend, just like the NFL. You know, whenever 32 teams play, you're not going to end up with 16 great games. It's just it's. And if you do, it's a week that we talk about forever and ever and ever. And when a big time matchup is built up and it doesn't live up to the hype, it kind of takes away from the whole week. And I think that's partially what happened today. You know, we had but maybe four or five massive matchups that we've been talking about. And, you know, I thought Ohio State-Notre Dame was a really good game. I thought it was interesting the way it played out. Now, it got into kind of slugfest football, and, and people don't always like that. But it, w- it was fun, and, and it was a good game. And Ohio State won in a competitive game against Notre Dame. But Oregon and, and Georgia wasn't very competitive. You didn't have Utah and Florida was a great game, but I, I think what that was going on during um, the Oregon Georgia game. So maybe some people were, were tuned off or tuned out. I don't know. But sometimes when that marquee game doesn't live up to the hype, it brings everyone down. Um, and then John writes the Big 12 was five and one against this spread. Were they really? I don't think you had a spread in a couple of the games. I don't think there was a number on the Kansas-Tennessee Tech game. I don't know if there was a number on Baylor-Maine, but not bad. Not too shabby. And I think they went 9-1 this week, and so we'll take it. We'll take it, Big 12 country. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Three. All right, more of your tweets. Keep them coming at Plank Show at Fox Sports Radio. Biggest takeaway from the first full weekend of college football. Plus, we have two more games to preview and a lot of news and nuggets from the National Football League. It's coming up on a Fox Football Sunday. I feel like we need a video component to this radio show because I don't know if I've seen a more impressive onside kick coverage than Nebraska and App State. We're basically on the onside kick. Nebraska just knocked the ever-loving snot out of every single app state guy <laughs> and then took it to the house i've watched that highlight at least 15 times all right we're talking college football at 877 on fox so to help us wrap up this hour of the show paul has checked in in san jose uh good evening paul welcome to the show what's going on buddy hey good evening man uh, uh jason martin on your network said something great about sports the number one thing people love about it is the the possibility of hope. Yeah. That's what makes the NFL so great because who's going to win the league this year? We don't know. And I think the major thing I don't like about college football, there's no hope for 95% of the teams here. I mean, the difference between the, the haves and the have-nots, don't you think it's grown a bit too sure. big for your liking? Uh, it, it's grown, but it's also still the possibility that on any given Saturday something can happen. And that hope still re- resonates with me. Now, I'm kind of lucky, Paul, a little bit because I'm a fan of one of those teams that is in that mix. The problem is when I've seen so – I don't want to get too carried away here because I think you make, make, make a great point. I've seen really, really good college football teams that I covered go and get their asses kicked when they played Alabama and when they uh, played Georgia or when they played that LSU super team. But here's the thing, you know, two years ago, LSU was the greatest collection of talent we've ever seen with Burrow and Jefferson, and I guess more three, four years ago now, Burrow and Jefferson and Chase and Stingley. And where are they now? I mean, it's hard to maintain it and keep it going. So I understand what you're saying, but I, I do think there's chances for teams to step up and get better. And, and we'll, what's going to happen whenever you infuse USC with the money they're going to get from the Big Ten budget? Same for UCLA. How about a team like Houston whenever they get into the Big 12? I'm just – I'm not ready to count out everybody just because of this incredible run that Georgia and Alabama's on. And, and Ohio State, to that matter, too. Appreciate the phone call. Jason's right, though. I wouldn't say define hope. Define hope. Um, Because to me, when you're saying, well, we got no chance to win a championship, does does every team go into the NFL season thinking they're winning a Super Bowl this year? I mean, how you feeling, Seattle? I've seen the Geno Smith show before. How we feel in Vegas, I know we're over the top. We're over the moon right now, but it's tough. 
How you feeling in places like New Orleans, I mean, Detroit, Chicago right now? I mean, this this idea that every single team has hope that they're going to win a championship right now is just, I mean, it's it, it's ill fated. Everyone has that same feeling in in, in college right now. You gonna you gonna tell me that we couldn't take a call from a Florida fan after what they saw from Anthony Richardson today? That wouldn't tell you, hey, you you're leaving us out, Plank. I think not everyone's playing for the same stakes, too. Like, yeah. I would spend so much of my time growing up at University of Toledo Rockets football games. Nobody at Toledo thought Toledo was winning a championship. We just want to see the Toledo Rockets win each week. Right. Like, and, you just, and, just go out there to have – like, it, it's not about making making the national championship for every team out there. Yeah, it's just it, not. It, it, it's a fair point, and I'll use this as, as an analogy as well. I, I graduated from a mid-major. I love my alma mater. And the University of Tulsa, when I went there, when we went to a bowl game, was a big freaking deal. Do I think we're going to win a national championship? No. But you know what we do have? We have some hope now. Because let's say you, you strike gold and you have one of those seasons like UCF had. Um, you have one of those seasons like Tulane had. No longer do you have to do a fake national championship parade and give out fake rings. You've got a chance to play. You've got a chance. If you're one of the top six conference champions, you're going to the playoffs. I think that's awesome. And there's a good chance you might host a playoff game on your campus. I think that's awesome. So I hear what you're saying. I understand the point. I think there's different levels of hope. Hell, I... My teammate, my, I'm a Raiders fan. My teammate, the playoffs last year, I was over the moon ecstatic. Did, of course, I think because I'm a dumb fan that they were going to the Super Bowl. Oh, you bet I did. But the moment the game was over, it's funny. I, I, I love to watch my games by myself, right? Just, just I don't need to be at a watch party. I like to be by myself. Cold beer, take it all in. And when it was over, I wasn't mad. It was just, what a season. Now you hope you build off it and grow, but... Yeah, I, I understand your point. I just think there's different levels. And I think all anyone wants is a chance. You give them that chance, they got a shot. All right, uh, when we come back, all the highlights from week one of college football, plus more of your calls at 877-99 on Fox here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It's my philosophy in life, to be honest. It's my philosophy in life. I call myself out. I save you the anger. It's all good. We can be friends. Um, dare I say, everything is a final on the first full Saturday of Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. College football with the crew. Bernie Fratto is out. My name is Chris Plank. We're uh, taking your calls at 877-99 on Fox. If you want to jump in, 877-996-6369. Final from the islands, Western Kentucky rolls Hawaii 49-17. It was fascinating. We were going through some numbers and the adjustments that we saw after week zero. And one of the lines that moved the most was the, the favorite that Western Kentucky became. I think it was eight Eight points that it had moved against Hawaii. Oh, did they cover? 49-17, going to be a long season for Hawaii as they try to recover from, well, and listen, I'm not anti-Todd Graham, but the mess that Todd Graham made out on the islands. Congratulations, Western Kentucky betters. It's a wrap. So now we can officially go through and recap the day that it was. Now, college football haters, the bottom of this hour – I want to get into a topic that is a little sensitive. And honestly, I don't know how to handle it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act. It's not unique for me. It's normal. But in this, I'm, uh, I'm torn. So we'll get into Tom Brady at the bottom of the hour. Plus, your tweets continue to be fantastic on the thing that stood out the most from the first full Saturday and the first full weekend of college football. You know, Perfet, I know last night you and uh, Jason Martin had a chance to talk about it. Uh, I, I know that, that a lot of people have reacted to it, but I still don't know if anything today matched what we saw on Thursday night. I thought West Virginia and Pitt set an incredible tone for the weekend, and that's happened before. I think, um, I think what, Vanderbilt played in it. When James Franklin was at Vanderbilt, they played an, incredibly thir- an incredible Thursday night opening game that was won on, the, on a Hail Mary at the last play uh, uh, before the buzzer. I mean, it's just you have sometimes these great games on Thursday. And I don't know about you, Perfet. I don't know if anything really topped what we saw I from West Virginia. I don't think Pitt. it did because it's also the, the con- uh, continued baggage, too. That's like it's in Acrisure Stadium. It's in Pittsburgh. Right. It's involving, it's, it's involving a lot of hype from Pitt who – you know, graduated Kenny Pickett into the league in into the same city and for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But also this rivalry had been played in eleven years. It was welcoming that rivalry back. It's two very passionate fan bases that don't get a lot of pub. I, I remember I ran a college football podcast way back in the day. One of the guests we had on was a Catholic priest who all he did during his sermons was use West Virginia Mountaineers football <laughs> to to get to get people to come to church sometimes. So it's it's it it was a rivalry we hadn't seen in a while. It, you had two two guys who used to be at USC together, right? Keaton Slovis and JT Daniels, quarterbacks now on opposite sides of the field against each other. There was so much going into it. And yes, I think the big thing was like, look, even in the big matchups we got with Notre Dame and Ohio State, people expected Notre Dame to get run off the field. They didn't, but it's still not, you know, it wasn't 
a down-to-the-wire NFL-style game, so it didn't really chart. Oregon, Georgia. Oregon was highly rated, but people expected... I think people expected to be a little more competitive, but I think most people expected Georgia to also clean that game up handily. Yeah. There were no expectations for West Virginia and Pitt on what they would do. So I I think that's kind of the lie. When people say they want to see big games played at the start of the season for college football instead of you know USC taking on Rice, it's sometimes always usually a lopsided game too. You're going to rarely get those games with top-matched teams right out of the gate. But if you have teams like West Virginia and Pitt playing on a Thursday night, guess what? That game's going to be good. good that, that's, yeah. It's matched up. It's it's a rivalry game. It's it's the week. It's the rivalry weekend game being played in week one yeah. because these teams are no longer in the Big East together. It's yeah. going to be really good. Yeah, and it, it ended up being a great game. So it was fun. And it set the tone for the weekend. Again, I don't know if anything matched it, but let's, let's see what we learn. So we'll start – with the route, maybe the, the defending champ kind of staking their claim. We take you to the Georgia radio network. It's already 21-3 to Georgia when Stetson Bennett starts to work his magic even more. Uh, this was fantastic. Bennett rolls to the right. McIntosh over on that side. He comes back the other way. Stetson trying to avoid the rush. Throws it up in the air. Caught! Caught! Improvisational! Led McConkey in the left corner. Um, Stetson Bennett wasn't done. Georgia moving to the right. Milton in the backfield now with Bennett. Snap back to Stetson. Looks left. Throws it for the corner. Milton and touchdown! Yeah! Touchdown! One-on-one coverage right in front of the pylon. That's A.D. Mitchell. So, at that point, it was 42-3. to Georgia finally brought in their backup quarterback, Carson Beck, for the fourth quarter. And he threw a touchdown pass. Everything about the Georgia Bulldogs looked apart today in a 49-3 win over Oregon. You know, this was um, – and Paul hit us up on Twitter at Plank Show. That's at Plank Show. It's the best way to stay in touch with the show tonight or at Fox Sports Radio. Uh, and I'd ask, what's your biggest takeaway from the first full Saturday of college football? Paul writes – Bo Nix leaving Auburn didn't solve his whole throwing the ball to the opposite team problem. And number two, Georgia is insane. As in, I don't know how anyone will stop them. Yeah, they're they're really good. You know, you think about, you know, defensively, guys like Kenny McIntosh, what what it looks like, what it looks like Mitchell can be, what it looks like here is Jackson. Uh, is there, uh, did I say defensively? I meant re- receiving the ball. Defensively, the guys that consistently caught our eye were Malachi Starks again, seeing Christopher Smith do his thing, Dan Jackson. So they, they're good. I mean, that's just the reality of it. They're elite. That's just the reality of it. They're in a spot where Kirby Smart has recruited to the point where they're replacing dudes with dudes. And if I'm a Georgia fan, cloud nine right now. You should be 49 to 3. We went over the schedule a little bit earlier in the show. If you missed it, you can find it on the podcast. Search Fox Sports Weekends, and we're right there. But I don't know where that L is. I don't know where that challenge is. I like South Carolina. They go on the road there in week three, September 17th. But South Carolina, I I don't know if now's the time. Two, three years from now, maybe. Now, maybe not. Missouri, no. Um, Auburn, no. Vanderbilt, hell no. Florida, I, I... I mean, that's a rivalry game. That's a neutral site game. It's a little different. We, we the royal we, I'm, I'm kind of pulling everyone in on this, 
have fallen a little bit for Anthony Richardson after what he did today. In fact, we're getting a chance that ESPN has just started the replay of the Florida-Utah game. So we got to watch. And I keep saying AR-15. Anthony Richardson, Cook here tonight. But I, I don't know. By that point in the season, has Billy Napier's system been figured out a little bit? I don't know if he's going to have the running success against Georgia that he did against Utah. But that's a game you can toss up. I don't know if Tennessee's got a shot. Definitely not going to stumble at Mississippi State. Kentucky on November 19th, maybe. Let's see how Will Levis develops. Let's see where Mark Stoops has his guys. But outside of the SEC title game and a potential matchup against Alabama, don't see anybody getting to Georgia. And it's not bad for college football. It wasn't bad when the Lakers and Showtime were dominating the NBA or when the Celtics were. It wasn't bad when the Niners and the Cowboys were always playing each other in the NFC championship game. It wasn't bad when Tom Brady was always going to the AFC title game. You, you catch the trend here? This happens in sports. It's reality. Georgia's good. Um, Arkansas is an interesting team this season. They were one of the three teams that opened up against a preseason-ranked foe, and their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, did some work today. K.J. pumps once, wanted to go deep, throws it in the flat instead. The Knox got a block. There he goes. Touchdown, Arkansas, down the sidelines. What a block over on the edge by Keytron Jackson. Jackson made the block, and that's a touchdown for Trey Knox. Final score, Arkansas 31 Cincinnati 24 for the stat geek in you, 223 yards passing for K.J. Jefferson, three touchdowns, also had a touchdown running the football. We were talking about Heisman odds earlier. Expect a lot of people to jump on the the K.J. Jefferson, Anthony Richardson train. Arkansas wins it 31 to 24. Cincinnati, if I'm a Bearcats fan or just in general thinking about their future, that's going to be an interesting team to follow. I mean, it really, it really truly is because – I, I don't I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they're going to be pretty good. I, they're obviously not going to the playoffs. They had to finish undefeated to have that happen in the American. But when they take that jump up to the Big 12, I think they've got a chance. I think they've got a chance to be a team we could see more often in the college football playoffs. Arkansas, on the other hand, what a fascinating stretch in Arkansas' schedule. You get South Carolina at home next weekend. That's Shane Beamer and and Spencer Rattler and that crew. And then you might say Missouri State, Plank. You're talking up Missouri State. Think about it. Bobby Petrino back in Fayetteville for the first time since the accident, since the embarrassment. Bobby Petrino, head coach of Missouri State. That'll be interesting. Then they go to A&M. And then they play Alabama. The A&M game's a neutral site game as they go to. Then they got A&M and they got Alabama. I mean, that's you talk about an interesting stretch. Here's Sam Pittman afterward talking about his post-game libation because who doesn't want a post-game cold one, Coach, right? Isn't that what we're all here for? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, we got to get healthy. I mean, we knew it was going to be a really physical game, and they knocked the heck out of us. What a good football team. What a great coach they are. Our defense made some key stops, you know, on the day. And our offense, obviously, that last drive right there, never giving it back, that was huge for us. But we got a lot of work to do. 
but I'd rather do that on winning than I would losing. What did K.J. Jefferson show you in the way he responded to some pressure? Uh, you know, on the third down play down there, they had him dead to rights, you know, and he <laughs> made a miss and got the first down, and then basically, you know, we, we went down and scored, and then here in this uh, late late drive, he did the same thing, and we never gave the ball back. He's a good player. Coach, I asked you what the host of this party was going to be serving up today. What's the drink of choice tonight? Well, you know, I, I'm i not promoting it, but I like some old cold beer. I think I'm going to have one. <laughs> cold beer. I like the generic, too. Stay brand unloyal, right? Sounds like he's already gotten into the cold beer. Uh, you know, Sam Pittman's got that twang, man. He's got it going. Arkansas 31, Cincinnati 24. I did not know that cut was that long. Sorry, Chris. All right, let's move on. Shall we? We talked Georgia. We talked Arkansas. You know, Nick brought this up in his update. It's not a game that was on the top of anyone's radar. Not a lot of people were talking about Houston in UTSA. But it doesn't need to be a matchup of Blue Bloods in order for it to end up being a great game. And this was a great game. In overtime, Clayton Toon takes the snap. Toon looking. Toon being flushed out of the pocket. Rolling to the right. Toon fighting for the end zone. Toon dies into the end zone. The two-point conversion is good. I remember after the first overtime, you need to go for two. That gave Houston the lead. And then their defense. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. This was in the third overtime. So they were off two two-point conversions anyway. So here we go. Houston's defense trying to shut them down. They're going to look to throw it. Throws it into the end zone. And it is incomplete. And the Cougars come away with an overtime win in three OTs. The Cougars, a sea of red coming over from the far sideline onto the middle of the field as they beat UTSA 37-35. All right, so we've bragged a lot tonight about Anthony Richardson. So, of course, the highlight we play from the Florida game is from the defense. Guns it for the end zone. Intercepted! Amari Birdie just intercepted it. One yard in the end zone. Florida, big win. It seems wild to talk about Florida being at home and winning a game over Utah and saying it's an upset. But Florida gets the upset win over Utah. Big win for the Florida Gators, and obviously it kind of elevates in a lot of our conversations where we see Anthony Richardson going forward and where Billy Napier has that program. They, they still have some growing to do. They're still a ways away, but Florida takes care of business. They win today by a final score of 29 to 26. All right, a couple of other quick highlights. We mentioned Alabama rolled, and oh, did they roll. On the slant, catches made, stretching and getting it in the end zone. Kobe Prentiss, touchdown Alabama. And a correction, Trayshawn Holden, excuse me, is the man who scored to extend Alabama's lead now to 16 to nothing. 55 to 0, the final score as Alabama covered. Wow. Um, and then there was the game of the day. The game of the night, what ended up being arguably one of the more interesting games that played out. It was a big celebration day at the Shoe. They were honoring the 2002 National Championship team, 20-year anniversary. Jim Trestle came back, and it was it was a dogfight. It was a dogfight for a while. As a matter of fact, Notre Dame making just its third trip. I think it's in the last, I'm sorry, its second trip. In like the last 80 years to the shoe, 
Notre Dame took an early lead. Estime and Tyree behind him. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Notre Dame was up at that point 10-7. In fact, that was the halftime score. That was the halftime score. And then, in the third quarter, Ohio State comes to life. Stroud arches that one into the end zone. Caught Xavier Johnson. Touchdown, Xavier Johnson on a 24-yard pass from C.J. Stroud, who threw it over the pressure. And if it wasn't C.J. Stroud throwing it, it was Ohio State running it. First and goal at Notre Dame's two. Snap to Stroud. Hands to Williams. Williams Touch. at the goal line. Grab. Touchdown signal given. Mayan Williams. And Ohio State held on. C.J. Stroud under center. Takes the snap, takes a knee, and that'll be the ball game. 21 to 10. Ohio State comes from behind to defeat Notre Dame. There you go. There you go. It took a while. It took a while. But Ohio State was able to pull away and beat Notre Dame. A couple of other highlights we'll sprinkle in throughout, but those are the big moments of the day. Uh, we had two coaches make debuts in new places. One, a first-time head coach ever. One, taking over after leaving the place. Okay, listen, I'm not going to dance around this. Brent Venables made his debut as the OU coach. Lincoln Riley made his debut as the USC coach. We'll bring you the big highlights from those games coming up next. Plus, what really stood out? Who made an impact? This is a question we ask a lot. On Sunday nights here on Fox Sports Radio. And when Arnie and I take the air from 10p to 1a Central Time, during the football season, every Sunday starts with after week one, I know this. After week two, I know this. Just kind of uh, trying to strip down to the bolts, if you will, and think about things uniquely from what we learned from the day that was and the night that was in the NFL. So in that, is there anything from week one that changed your opinion about a team going forward? Obviously, Oregon, I, I might be more impressed with Georgia than I actually was. And number, num, number two, maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba is much more important to this bevy of weapons that Ohio State has than we ever could have imagined. We'll dive into those questions and much more next on a busy night here on a Fox Sports Sunday. All right, it's a uh, – gosh, it's, it's rolling. We're, we're – Already past the halfway point of this show here on Fox Sports Radio. With Chris Perfett, BT, Nick Cope. Nick's got an update coming up here in just a bit. All right, let's talk about coaching debuts. Let's talk about coaches making their first appearance in a new place. I was, uh, I was on hand for the Oklahoma Sooner opener for Brent Venables and it went well. In fact, kind of a, a fun side story to this. Oklahoma has a walk-on true freshman. His name is Gavin Freeman. He's been that uh, perfect. You know this from covering the Lions and, and NFL camps. And I'm sure, Nick, in your days, well, in your days, like you're old, you're younger than all of us. But in covering UCLA, you hear there's a hit of camp. My gosh, have you seen so-and-so? He's incredible. And then, like, you never see him. It's like, what's going on here? Why isn't this guy playing? It's kind of like Gavin Freeman. Gavin Freeman for Oklahoma, walk preferred walk-on, hit of camp. Brent Venables has talked about him at every stop he's made. Suddenly, you look out there, and it's like, whoa, Gavin Freeman's in the game. 
And then this happened courtesy of the Sooner Radio Network. Pitch to Gavin Freeman, the Heritage Hall freshman sweeping right to the 40. Spins, still on his feet, 35-30, breaks away, 20, 15, 10, 5, reaching pylon, touchdown! Wow! Gavin Freeman on the pitch reverse. His first collegiate touch, a 46-yard touchdown run. Uh, just, by the way, for super high school football nerds, Heritage Hall, same college uh, high school as Sterling Shepard, receiver for the New York Giants. But Gavin Freeman took one to the house. Oklahoma rolled today. Uh, it'll be interesting in a couple of weeks whenever Oklahoma goes to Lincoln to take on Nebraska. Not that I think Nebraska is all that great. They, they struggled at times today with, uh, who was it, North Dakota? Not even North Dakota State, North Dakota. But Oklahoma won at 45-13, to 13, and I kind of thought there might have been a bit of a blueprint to, to try and have some success against Oklahoma. Now, their offense cooks, man. It goes. Whenever they get a first down, they hit that gas, and it's a left lane hammer down. It's completely different from anything Oklahoma fans saw in the last seven years with Lincoln Riley. Not a bad thing. Um, and it's, it was fun. It was fun to see it. But it'll be very interesting as – you, you level up competition-wise, and this defense and this team continues to understand what Brent Venables wants and needs to see just what level of contender Oklahoma is in 2022. Same for USC, where things got started early for Lincoln Riley and his crew behind their transfer quarterback, Caleb Williams. Faking the handoff to Jones, throwing left side. It's complete. And into the end zone, the first Trojan touchdown of the season. Jordan Addison. The Trojans drive 75 yards of their first possession and take a 6-0 lead. But really, really, this game got out of hand thanks to the USC and Alex Grinch's defense. Throws on the run, incomplete, intercepted. Bullock, he's got it at the 20. He might go all the way. He's at the 40, being chased at the 50. They won't catch him. Touchdown, USC. Kalen Bullock. 93-yard interception return for a touchdown. Wow. USC got that win today like they everyone thought they would. It, it'll be interesting over the next few weeks to see how the Trojans perform. Obviously, Stanford next Saturday on the road. Don't know how much of a challenge that's going to be. Fresno State didn't really wow any of us with what they did against Cal Poly. But Oregon State in week four is going to be fascinating. Trojans scored on every one of its possessions in the first three quarters and took three interceptions to the house. Uh, despite a less than packed house, I still think that it's a weekend. If I'm a USC fan, I'm excited. Jordan Addison looked good. Caleb Williams looked good, which it's still weird for me to say. Lincoln Riley, head coach at USC. Caleb Williams, the quarterback at USC. But for two of the more marquee offseason coaching hires, that that's a hell of a start. Now, tomorrow night, wait, what am I saying? It's already Sunday. Tonight, Brian Kelly getting uh, his opportunity to see what the new-look LSU Tigers look like. That'll be fascinating against Florida State. And Dabo Sweeney's not a first-time coach. But I'm telling you guys, it's a massive story with his two new coordinators. He lost his offensive coordinator to Virginia lost his defensive coordinator to Oklahoma, and made the decision to promote from within. So obviously it's not a new head coach, but a completely new mindset at Clemson. It's a fascinating two-game stretch with a new coach at LSU and Brian Kelly versus upstart Florida State tonight and LSU, uh, and uh, Clemson 
and Georgia Tech tomorrow. All right. When we come back, we need to have an around-the-table discussion about something here. I got to get the crew in because now that we've spent 30 minutes recapping the day that was in college football, uh, I, I, I've got to figure out how we feel about this Tom Brady report and how it should be reported because I think that's where I'm a little bit uneasy. We'll do it coming up in just a bit. But first, Nick Cope with everything that happened in the world of college sports and in sports. What's going on, Nick? What's going on, Chris? We had the marquee game in Columbus, number two, Ohio State, number five, Notre Dame. C.J. Stroud leading a balanced offensive attack for the Buckeyes, and they win 21-10. to Jackson Smith and Jigba, the talented wide receiver for Ohio State, left with an injury. Coach Ryan Day suggested the injury isn't too serious. Down in the swamp, coming out party for quarterback Anthony Richardson as Florida upset number seven, Utah, 29-26, three rushing touchdowns for Richardson. Utah had a goal-to-go situation in the final minute, but Cam Rising was picked off in the end zone. Number three, Georgia scored touchdowns on its first seven drives en route to a 49-3 win over number 11, Oregon. Elsewhere in the top ten, number one, Alabama. Number six, Texas A&M. Number eight, Michigan. Number nine, Oklahoma. Number ten, Baylor. All of them big winners in their openers. And if I could go off the board outside the top 25, to highlight a couple games. We had a game with no touchdowns, and would you believe it if the game involved Iowa? (laughs) I'm not shocked at all. Not Not at all. Iowa over South Dakota State, 7-3. Iowa had a field goal and two safeties as the teams combined for a total of 286 yards. <laughs> oh, boy. Ouch. Earlier in the day, it was a wild game that you might have missed because there are so many games going on, but App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter. They're hosting North Carolina. Place was packed in Boone, and App State comes up just short. They failed to convert the necessary two-point conversion late. North Carolina hangs on to win 63-61. And earlier today, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, spoke before that Georgia-Oregon game in Atlanta. He said he isn't confident the newly agreed-upon 12-team playoff will happen before 2026, which is when the current playoff contract is set to expire. However, we'll see because FBS commissioners are meeting next week to see if they can somehow make that happen. In baseball, Angels walked off the Astros 2-1 in 12 innings. Matt Duffy hit the game-winning RBI single. Dodgers snapped a three-game losing streak with a 12-1 win over the Padres. Mookie Betts hit his 33rd homer of the year. And at the U.S. Open, Rafa Nadal and top-seeded woman Iga Sviantek moving on. Chris, back to you. Thanks, man. That's uh, good stuff, Nick. I like going I like going in-depth on, like, the ugly, right? Because just real quick, you mentioned that Iowa game today. Yes. I have one word, how and then I stop, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it, it's Iowa. It's it Iowa. <laughs> but if, naturally, they won the game, and I, I'm sure they weren't ever too stressed about it either. I mean, granted, it's maybe a little extreme, but those are the kinds of games they play all year long. <laughs> seven to six. Tight, lots oh, of punts. Three, excuse me. Yeah, seven to three. Um, look, this is this is weird. I just I, – I, I don't – can we look at numbers? Can we nerd out on this just real quick for a moment? You, you, you good, Nick? Can, you yes. have to go. In. Okay. The total yards in this game, if, if this stat is right, the total yards in this game 
120 for South Dakota State, 166 for Iowa. That's the total yards Oklahoma had in the first quarter passing. And that was the total yards for the game. Iowa was 4 of 17 on third downs and won the game. Their quarterback was 11 of 25 with 4.4 yards per per, per (laughs) jump. And how about this? How about these rushing attacks, Nick? 1.6 yards per carry for Iowa. 1.1 yards per (laughs) carry for South Dakota State. Okay, the – a little surprising there for Iowa to only be at 1.6. You would think they'd be able to do better. I mean, I know South Dakota State's a, a quality oh program at the FCS level, but goodness. You know, and, and, and maybe just to make sure we do this justice, uh, <laughs> I guess, what, is ESPN doing some sort of A.J. McCarron broadcast where they have dudes and hats turned backwards and they make you – feel like you're hip. When I pulled up the game cast, it says, McCarron, bad, bad, bad showing from Iowa today. Yeah, you think? Mm -hmm. Here's the scoring recap. Aaron Bjorn's, uh, sorry, Aaron Blom's 46-yard field goal. Made a three-zip in the first quarter. San Diego State, 44-yard field goal. Makes it 3-3 in the second. Safety in the third quarter with 4.03 to go in the game. Made it (laughs) 5-3. Safety in the fourth quarter. With 3.58 to go, made it 7-3. to three. I don't know if you saw, but how many combined <laughs> Did I say punt- something? Who did I say? Who did I say? You said San Diego earlier. Oh, I said San Diego State. About. They were just as bad. My bad. My the bad. the My other bad. SDSU. Thank you. I don't know if you saw, but if you, if you had to guess, how many combined punts do you think were in this game? Oh, I was trying to look that up. How many was it? 21 combined. <laughs> This all sounds like the brand of Iowa football they want to play, man. Kirk Ferentz is very happy. Hey, shout out to Tory Taylor, though, for Iowa. 48-yard average on his punts. He had a long of 57. (laughs) That's a solid day at the office. Hunters are people, too. Oh, my gosh. Uh, South Dakota. South, did I say it right this time? I don't know why I said San Diego State. Jack Rabbits. Let me tell you why I'm mad. They're both SDSU. I'm too mad at San Diego State because that was my lock. Minus six, you're opening a new stadium. You're Ooh, yeah. better than them, and you wet the bed like that. Brady Hoke, you and I are going to have a conversation, man. Anyway, uh, South Dakota State had two fumbles. Iowa had two fumbles. Um, San Diego, or South Dakota State didn't lose any of them. Iowa lost one. And really, like, like turnovers weren't, weren't that big of an issue in this game. Iowa had two and won the game. South Dakota State didn't turn the ball over. 12 penalties for 66 yards for South Dakota State. Is this real? Did this really happen? I mean, I need someone from Iowa that was there. Oh, what am I talking about? You're hammered right now. There's no way if you went to that game that either A, you're awake, or B, that you're anywhere near being able to put together a coherent sins. I mean, imagine. Listen, we got to talk about Tom Brady. We might have to save it till the next segment. But, Nick, imagine trying to even explain this game. So I went to college. I went to a college football game that finished seven to three, and no touchdown was scored. Really? How? And you lay out. Gosh, that seems weird. What happened? And then when you lay out what happened, like that still doesn't make any sense to me. And, and then the follow up question would be like, okay, what year is it? <laughs> is this nineteen thirty four? The fact when that this you, game was played yeah, to have a seven three game with no touchdowns in twenty twenty two is just it's a bananas. math problem. <laughs> it's a math problem. I. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I 
I didn't get to watch this game. And whenever the Ohio State Notre Dame game wrapped up, I, I kind of took a quick little snooze. Because, I mean, listen, it, this is a long show. It's the middle of the night in the central time zone. I'm an old man. I needed some sleep. And I saw 7-3. to three, And I'm not going to lie to you, Nick. I thought 7-3, to three, uh, they scored a touchdown at some point, and Iowa won the game 7-3. to three. And then I just was scrolling through, and I'm like, that quarter by quarter looks weird. There's a two in there. Something must have been screwed up at ESPN.com or FoxSports.com. And then I clicked on the play-by-play. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. Con- congrats, Iowa. Just, just one final note here. ESPN Stats and Info said, Iowa scored exactly seven points without a touchdown. They're the first team to do that since at least before 2000. So that tells me that's as far back as they can go. So <laughs> it's never happened in at least the last 22 years. And then beyond that, who knows? It's so funny. Not I'll this see century. Th- not, not this millennium. This century, yes. Right. It's kind of funny to me. Uh, I'll see things like that. It, it, it'll say, well, it hasn't happened in, in before 2000. I'm like, come on, man. We had better record keeping than that in the 90s. And I realized that was 20 years ago. People look at the early 2000s, like when I was in college in the 90s, I looked at the 70s. So it's it's in that perspective. So maybe there wasn't great record keeping at that point. But wow, wow, 7-3 final score, and Iowa didn't score a touchdown. All right, it was a weird week on the Tom Brady front. How should we feel about it? We'll dive into it next on Fox Sports Radio. Yo, hey, Chris, I was just watching this replay of Utah, Florida, uh, which you saw on ESPN tonight while our show is going on. It, it's cool for me because I didn't get to watch all the game. Chris Plank sitting in for Bernie Fratto, who will return when the NFL return. Bernie says, forget you, college football. I need the NFL. But I was just watching an Anthony Richardson, uh, I, I think it was like a 45-yard touchdown oh, run. Oh, yeah, that one. Yes, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. He's not immediately scampering. He's going through his progressions, but then he he spies the left side of the field. It's like, oh, this is wide open for me. Yeah. Never mind that. I'm taking off. It's not like because you'll see some guys who you know who they're going to go through the first progression, then immediately tuck and run. He didn't mm-hmm. do that there. He was very calm and collected in how he read that field, Looked and he the just safety took it off. House. Yeah, got a good block from the linebacker, and like there it's was beautiful. Man. There was it's, nobody near him. Then that's the highlight reel. Would have given up his body, but great read by Anthony Richardson. Probably some pretty poor defense too by Utah. But I'll tell you what, man, this kid. It's hey gonna man, be fun if, to watch if the him. defense blows it, you got to take advantage <laughs> of it. I'd rather rather than force it. Hey, uh, and, and while we're at it. I know this is like a really probably old kind of a take, but I'll say it. I really dig having crowds back. It's It's been like a year and a half of, you know, 2020, we didn't have full capacity. 2021, there was a handful of places that still tried to limit things, but, you know, it's kind of wild to think now. We're now a season and a game removed from when we played college football without crowds or a limited capacity. Now, for people like myself, parking was a little easier. Ingress and egress was a little bit better. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's, it's what makes sports special. And for me, 
To see the energy and the passion. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. In the stands, I'm watching this game in the swamp. It's just rocking. And, and I know... You know, all these places that are like, oh, gosh, so many people, so hot. And a little later in the evening, but it was hot in the swamp. It was hot there, too. Nobody's leaving the game in Florida. Awesome. Awesome win for Florida and Billy Napier's debut. Let's see what they have the the rest of the season. All right, gents, we need to go in depth on the Tom Brady situation because as one of the great I guess you could say investigative reporters once said new information has come to light, man. And according to a report this week from the New York post, new information has come to life, man. And I don't know how to feel about it. Now we haven't talked anything but college football in the show for what two hours and 50 minutes so far, but there was a New York post report this week about marital issues between between Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen. It took me back to August 23rd. And Rick Stroud was on. I can't remember if it was on Colin or if it was on a Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. But he had this to say about the Tom Brady situation. And I found it at the time very eye-opening because Rick Stroud, he covers everything. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer related, but it kind of made us all go, uh, 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 okay, what's going on here? Because the 11-day absence suddenly became something everyone knew about, though nobody reported about it until it happened. So that's weird. And no one talked about it until it happened. So when Rick Stroud came on Fox Sports Radio and said this. It's not a vacation. Let's put it that way. Was it necessary for him to be with his family? I think so. Uh, did they have it planned before training camp? Yeah, they would have. Like I said, I, I think we'll find out a reason here, um, whether Brady announces it or, or it just gets out um, that, uh, that that is personal. And, and he'll talk about it when he's ready to. But but there is, there is some there there. So... I think we can draw conclusions 
But here's why I bring this up with only like two minutes left in the hour. Because I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like talking about it. I feel uncomfortable talking about it. We live in a world where someone's personal life is now an open book. And granted, Tom Brady has opened his personal life up quite a bit, right? He really has. The Facebook Live, Facebook, Facebook Live, look at me. The Facebook Watch series that he did, that was an open book. The uh, ESPN series was what's much, much different than anything we've seen that Brady would have allowed during his Patriot days. So some might say, I don't care. Quit being soft. It's fair game. If he's having marital problems, we talk about it because we talk about the Kardashians and because we talk about, I don't know, I can't even think of another celebrity right off the top of my head here. I don't know why, and maybe I'm getting too old for this, but I don't like this narrative it's a new york post page six story it's 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 weird to be talking about how marital issues could affect a season because i know this is going to shock some of you people but that's much bigger than football i know how dare i but that's much bigger than football so when we come back and, and because we're up against it, and like I said, I'm uncomfortable talking about it, I want to I kind of get the crew's take on this because it's a story. It's out there. Um, you can buy whether or not the reports in the New York Post are accurate, but as one of my bosses once said, the toothpaste is out of the tube. There's no way that it's getting back in. Try it. It's impossible. But has this become a storyline that blows up? Or do we appreciate the privacy in, in a very non-private situation? Plus, I got more NFL stuff to get to next hour. The season is here on Thursday. More college football recaps coming up. Final hour of this Saturday Night Extravaganza coming up on Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, man. Oh, man. College football is back. The NFL is right around the corner. Welcome to your final Sunday without the National Football League until, what, February 3rd? Is that right? Because we still have the Super Bowl with the week off before and oh that's close i was close welcome to your final sunday without the national football league until february 5th now here's your choice ladies and gents as we welcome you into this sunday morning edition of fox football sunday i'm chris plank the crew is here BT, Chris Perfett, uh, Nick Hope's been crushing it tonight. It's been fun hanging out with these guys. Uh, and for Bernie Fratto, Bernie's back next Sunday or Saturday night into Sunday morning. Don't worry. It's a one-week thing for me because if I did more than one week, my wife would divorce me, and she's just now after 15 years starting to like me. So here's, here's the interesting part for me, and I, I'm trying not to get too out of my mind excited because I have a friend that always has the glass half full approach. Where Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Not about his teams, okay? He's a Niner fan, so he's all in on the Niners. And you know what I'm talking about if you're listening in in our affiliate, uh, the Blitz 1170 in Tulsa Poplin. But my man always says, when the season starts, it's one of my favorite takes. Always a little down after week one. I'm like, what's up? Why are you down? And his take is, season's almost over. What? Season's almost over. Because there's nothing better than hope. But in the same vein, there's nothing that seems to go faster than the college and pro football season. I mean... Week one is already in the books. Well, we got two games to go, right? We have tonight LSU and Florida State. We got tomorrow Clemson and Georgia Tech, right? So so we, we got a little bit of work to do. We've got eight more quarters of week one in, in college football. But for a sport that has what I would argue is the longest, most arduous offseason in college and pro football, though – as Chris Perfett, I'm sure, can attest from someone who covers the league nonstop and, and Nick Cope, who covers college football nonstop, we have these benchmarks for each sport, right? College football has recruiting. They have spring football. You've got portal season now that's kind of insane. Then you've got media days. The NFL has, what, post-Super Bowl? you got free agency. You've got the draft. you got OTAs. You've got... 80 different off-the-field issues that seem Rookie to take mini place. Camp in between Rookie mini-camp, that's right. I mean, it's just each each sport, each level of football, tries to dominate the, the new cycle, but in the same vein, it's not the games. I mean, even the preseason has become unwatchable in the National Football League. But it does seem as if this excitement that leads up towards week one, you're fired up, and then all of a sudden, you look up, it's like, whoa, we're in week five already? How are we in week eight? Wait a minute. My team's four and four. We need to hustle and get to week nine. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's wild how quickly these next uh, five months will go. So my challenge, my charge to you, embrace it, enjoy it, immerse yourself in it. Keep it locked on Fox Sports Radio. We'll be talking about it nonstop. This is truly, uh, we we were walking around telling everyone Merry Christmas today or however you celebrate. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, because it's like the greatest day of the year. 
It's the start of the college football season. Next Sunday will be the, the greatest day of the year when however you consume Red Zone, if it's here on Fox Sports Radio because you're, you're, you're traveling all day long, if you're watching DirecTV or non-DirecTV Red Zone, if it's Andrew Siciliano or Scott Hansen, whichever way it is, when football's back, that inevitable blink and, and it's over, don't, don't think like that. Don't think like my guy. Embrace it, enjoy it, immerse yourself in it. All right, with Bernie out, um, we, we haven't had a lot of gambling talk tonight. I'm just, I'm not as, I'm not as well versed on the spreads and the numbers right now as Bernie is. And seeing that our, our, our expert gambling show was all over Notre Dame, I feel pretty good about my uh, role as an expert gambler here today on Fox Sports Radio. But with that in mind, I got to ask you guys something. We brought up the Tom Brady situation and uh, how it had pretty much been laid out as time away for, I don't know, reasons that weren't necessarily being made public. We joked, right? The masked singer thing blew up, which was funny as hell, and I wanted to buy into it, but it just seemed off. It seemed off to me, and we talked about this on our Sunday show with Arnie Spanier here on Fox Sports Radio. It seemed off to me. Because I am a believer that there's no bigger competitor than Tom Brady. To me, Tom Brady stepping away from anything is odd. Because he's the guy, even at, what, 45, 46, whatever he is, that is the ultimate competitor. Always wants to win. Over, always wants to be better than you. So I was blown away. When this story came out this week, uh, a couple weeks ago that he was gone for 11 days. The reason it's relevant today is because the page six story, the New York Post, that broke on Friday about issues between him and Giselle. So here's my question. I want to go around the horn. Chris, I'll start with you. Is it, is it off limits to talk about that? Is, is that heading out of bounds whenever you start pointing at marital issues and that might be the reason, frustration over him coming back, why they're having problems. I mean, I'm trying to be sensitive to it and understand it, but is it a talking point? Is it something worth getting into? Or do we just leave it to the gossip, kings and queens? I think there's a lot of different layers to it because, number Amen. one, it is celebrity at the end of the day. Giselle is a supermodel. This has been a celebrity marriage between them since the jump and they have presented themselves like that in their in stuff like man in the arena like you can't take the positives that come without without also taking the negatives of celebrity culture right on the other hand we've also dived into people into players personal details all the time on other matters if there is a criminal arrest if there is a drug charge if there is something that matters off the field it is seen as completely fair game Sometimes. So I'm of the mind that I don't like it. I find it a little torrid, but at the same time, it's like the the, the path has been well tread, and just because now it's Tom Brady does not mean it's suddenly beyond the pale. I will say this, however, I don't think it'll matter in a few weeks because the football itself will take over. And at that point, it's less about the details of that where it versus just being a rhetorical element where if he doesn't play well, people will just make jokes about how you know, he's got his mind on his marriage or whatever. I don't like it's it's a it's a sad state of affairs. But at the same time, this was all invited by the very odd decision to return in the first place. 
So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by it from the sense that Tom Brady had a sense to walk away. He, he had a chance to walk away from it, and nobody would have faulted him. And then for whatever reason, whether it was Schefter scooping him on his departure or whatever it was, that he instead came back. And I, I don't like how it spiraled into this, but as I said, the ground is well tread. But the good news for Tom Brady is once football starts, you know this, Chris, it's kind of autopilot at that sure. point. I don't think it'll be that much of a massive talking point unless more news keeps breaking. And at that, this point, I expect everyone will be too too in deep with individual teams to really to really keep pursuing this. I could be wrong, though. I, I, I think it becomes whatever we decide to make it, right? In other words, does it blow up from the, the New York Post page six report or in honest, in, in all honesty, I mean, and, and again, I've had my head buried in the college football sand. You know, I saw the story and kind of put it aside to, to talk about tonight and into today. But I was just, I was blown away how it didn't blow up too terribly much. What do you think, BT? Is it off off limits, or or does this end up being a major talking point? Real, real quick, point one, the, one, oh, one more ahead. thing before before I let Brandon jump in. I apologize, but uh, I, I just wanted to say I cover a lot of soccer, and I will say like. This is just par for the course. Like tabloids and you know wags, wives and girlfriends is is it's all fair game. It you might not like it, but that's how the saw. Well, that's, hold that's on. How let, me, let, me, let me interrupt. Overseas, have we seen it that much here? Uh not for a minute. Not for a minute. We've had Brett Favre's. Right? Well, we've had Brett Favre's um, incidents with his sure texts <laughs> show up in the past before True. but again like i i point again to like michael vick and the dog fighting like and that that brought that brought uh repercussions from the league sure. itself but when a guy is going through court for something off the field we expect the shield to jump in hand down game punishments but if they're not like what's you know we will still titillate ourselves on it when it is any kind of Big court word. filings or a drug rehab or anything else like whether you like it or not like this is kind of the this is the this is the um mr what what's the 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 foul is it uh whatever i was trying to go with a classical reference i can't i was gonna say the devil's deal this is the devil's deal you get for being a quarterback in the nfl I, I was going to try to i was going to have to google up whatever faustian you up anyway. faustian that's what i was looking there for. you go um what do you think bt yeah, well, we I think we did see it a little earlier in the offseason with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he was all over the uh, the news, especially, I mean, last year, I believe, was the whole Danica Patrick situation. Right. And then you had his girlfriend a few months ago, we were reported, Blue was or like a witch or, or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can exactly. go back to Olivia Munn, too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been all over the news with, uh, with his love life. But it's kind of one of those, I always find these stories interesting because they're like, they're stories, but they're also kind of like non-stories because like this is stuff that happens really to everybody. Like right. marriage problems happen to every single marriage. Like no marriage is perfect. And they've been married for 13 years. Like my parents have been married for 30 years and like, I don't want to, you know, air out anything, but they've had issues. I mean, they've gotten sure. in fights, um, but they remain together. And, uh, you know, I just I, I always find it just so weird with these stories how people run with the narrative and they want it. It's almost like they want it to end <laughs> badly. Right. Yeah. It's like why why do we need this to end badly? Why can't we just have 
them just kind of like leave their personal stuff to themselves sure. and us kind of just focus on football really which i think is what i i agree with chris i think it is eventually what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks like this story will be out of the picture and we're just going to be focusing on what tom brady is doing on the football field rather than what he's doing at home yeah if it comes up again it'll be because he makes three picks in a game <laughs> right, yeah, right he should have he should have been at practice instead of you know sure go home Absolutely. and be a family man um, and like arguing is not it's not the worst thing that's happened in the nfl you know to no. between a man and a woman unfortunately no you know? all right nick what do you think too big story make it too much of it where do you fall on this just speaking out of my own consumption of this whole storyline, obviously Same. you're just curious. You know, what what is this about? What's going on here? Is there something? Is there nothing? And then as soon as I saw the page six story, part of me was like, okay, I I don't care. I don't need to know or, or, or that's that's their thing. And, and maybe it is hypocritical because Chris earlier made a great point about how we dissect – all these other different things in people's sure. personal lives. But just for me, I found myself kind of like, okay, that I, I guess that seems pretty normal for, you know, as BT was saying, for marriages. I'm like, okay, I didn't find it that interesting. I was like, right. okay, he's a middle-aged man. He's got a wife. He's got kids. He's trying to navigate a ridiculous career where he's still playing football at age 45, and he's going through some road bumps and – yeah, that's it's not all that surprising, I guess, when you really think about it's, it. It's just news for a different audience too. It's for people who consume celebrity gossip. So it is. It, it's a crossover here. It, it's it's a crossover event. That's that's the best way to put it. And I'm not going to lie to you. Some might say you're being soft, and I and I'll take that. Yeah, maybe I'm being a little soft on this. And it's not because I'm a a Bucks fan or a Brady fan or anything of that nature. And it's weird because I had no problem making fun of Brett Favre and, and laughing at Aaron Rodgers. But Tom Brady, to me, is like the ultimate competitor. Like, he is that guy where you look at the fingers and there's, what, seven rings. You you, you see the videos and you kind of follow the, the, the mannerisms. I mean, this guy hates losing more than he loves winning. And for him to take 11 days away from camp – that, that to me saying, all right, something is really wrong here. So maybe that's why whenever, oh, he's having marital problems, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that gets Jokey McJokerson time. But I had no problem making fun of Brett Favre, or Aaron Rodgers, or any of those other guys. So maybe I need to stop being soft on this or just embrace that this is what the NFL will be and has become, especially when you're a guy like Tom Brady. And let's face it, Chris, you said it, Giselle Bunchin's a rock star too. I mean, this isn't just... She was making more money than he was. At, at, right. At, at, I think she might still be, to be honest. This is a power couple. And so from their perspective, it's more than just Tom Brady, the football player. It's Giselle Bunchen, worldwide, world-renowned model. So that takes it to another level as well. Yeah, again, this isn't just a story for ESPN. This is a story for People Magazine as well. Us like, Weekly still a thing? I think well, so. TMZ, TMZ is the TMZ, big one. There you well, go. yeah. Well, TMZ got into sports about a few years ago too, so it's not like yeah, it's, they it's they, not they understand there. they understand. There's a lot of crossover. 
right, when we come back, let's put to bed the conversation about Tom Brady and let's get back to college football. Your tweets have been amazing tonight. What did we learn from week one of the college football season? We'll dive into your takes next on Fox Sports Radio. All right. We are heading down the home stretch here on a Fox football Sunday. It's back. So what was my February 5th? Is that right? We have a football game, National Football League game, every single Sunday until February 5th. Why February 5th? Hey, happy birthday. (laughs) Well, the week before that, I guess, there's nothing. It's that dreaded week right before the Super Bowl, right? Yes, that's the I mean, game. I, that's I, that Sunday. Yeah. I guess there's the Senior Bowl that weekend, but yeah. Okay, so you could claim that if you want. I, it, only if you're someone who's a degenerate like me who's covering the NFL and desperately well, needs any takes for draft season. Are your kids playing? Um, I'm, I'm not here. to Maybe a mom or dad are up this early. Who knows? But yeah, that's the bye week before the Super Bowl. So if you can get through today, happy September 4th, everybody. October, you got five months of Sundays with college football, four, I guess, four full months of uh, Sundays with the NFL. Man, I, I don't want to get too bogged down on the National Football League because we do have so much college football. But I've got five massive storylines. And in fact, Arnie and I are going to talk about them later tonight if, if, if Arnie can ever move past just bragging about his picks. But um, five five massive storylines in the National Football League coming up in 30 minutes from now to kind of wrap this program up because Thursday is interesting. And it's wild because anybody remember the last last year's opener? Thursday, Cowboys-Bucks. And it was such a wild start to the season because it was a great game. And we all kind of thought the Bucks wouldn't skip a beat. And for the most part, they didn't until they came across the Rams in, in the postseason. And that game is still a head scratcher to me. But five major storylines. But before we get there, I promise to hit your tweets. And the college football tweets have been great tonight. But how about this, gents, from Sharon? We were on the Tom Brady saga uh, here in hour four. And Sharon writes, Brady's arrogance his video proves that he puts himself above his wife and family Giselle has been more than patient not a lot to ask for him to stop his football obsession there are four people in that family and Brady only cares for one of them himself now for those that maybe are wondering tonight because you don't read page six or TMZ, and you're just like, come on, Plank, I'm a nuts and bolts sports guy. The details of the report basically stated that there was frustration, confusion, disappointment about Tom Brady returning to football. Kind of along the lines of he told his, oh, you know what, just to kind of break down a fourth wall, I was in this situation, I, I have been many times with my wife, where it's, oh yeah, hey, by the way, I'm doing this show now. Or... My show is this long now, or I've got this event this weekend. Now, obviously, if I was taking, if I was making Tom Brady's money, my wife would probably be like, all right, go. And there's a part of me that wonders 
as part of this page six report thing was Giselle's been taking care of the kids herself. I'm all about moms and dads being around their kids, but y'all probably have an income in the B's. And I mean, I know at least Tom's family's still with us. So there's always grandma and grandpa to watch the kids. If you need a break or, or, or there's very high profile nanny services. I mean, I just, I get not here to, to say anything because I want mom and dad, but if that's the problem, I mean, you got options. But I was thinking about the, the times when I'm like in trouble because I didn't tell my wife that I was doing a show. It lasts for a little bit. I'm like, babe, here's what we're making, and we're good to go. Tom Brady retired and retired where not just his family, his kids, his kids' kids, and probably generations beyond are set for life, for life. And I could understand where there might be a frustration of, wait, you're coming back? We had this agreement, and that could lead. And that's basically the premise of the page six story, right? I mean, it's she was upset that he was coming back to football. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Sharon... Giselle doesn't want to be in the pictures. Maybe she doesn't want anything out there public unless she puts it. You know, they they had some times where they put stuff out with their kids and it became a national story because, I don't know, because Tom Brady kissed his son or something of that nature. So maybe they're being a little bit more careful about it. I don't know. But it's just, it shows you the crossover star nature that Tom Brady is that his 11-day absence from camp, here's how I judge if a story has crossed over into the real world if my wife asks me about it. My wife is not a sports fan. We've been together 15 years, got a good relationship. She's not a sports fan. But if she asks me about something, I'm like, oh, okay, this is crossover. And she asked me about Tom Brady this week. She goes, what's going on with Tom Brady? And I pull the, oh, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. And when she's laying it all out, then you're like, okay, this thing has become a little bit bigger than just Perfet, BT, and you know Nick and I being able to talk about it. And that's, that's fine. But I'm not sitting here ready to judge Tom Brady on anything, Sharon. But that's what Twitter's all about. At Plank Show, at Fox Sports Radio, when we come back from Nick's update, let's get into your college football takes on what really caught your eye from week one of the college football season. But first, Nick Cope with everything going on in the world of sports. What's up, Nick? All right, Chris. Well, let's recap the day in college football. Ohio State, Notre Dame, that was the big matchup. Number two versus number five in Columbus. Buckeyes actually shut out the Irish in the, set, in the second half after they were trailing early on. 21-10 the final score, Ohio State winning. And for the Buckeyes wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he left the game with an injury, did not return, but afterwards Coach Ryan Day said he doesn't think it's too serious. A very hyped matchup in Atlanta, number three Georgia against number 11 Oregon. Well, and the Bulldogs, they just couldn't stay out of the end zone. Bennett rolls to the right, McIntosh over on that side. He comes back the other way. Stetson trying to avoid the rush, throws it up in the air, caught, caught, improvisational. Led McConkey in the left corner. Scott Howard from Learfield, Stetson Bennett on that touchdown pass, 49-3 the final score, Georgia over Oregon. Number seven, Utah falls in the swamp to Florida, 29-26 the final score there. Three rushing touchdowns for Anthony Richardson. Elsewhere in the top ten, number one, Alabama, number six, Texas A&M, number eight, Michigan, number nine, Oklahoma, and number ten, Baylor, all winners as well. Number 13, NC State, they needed a late miss point after 
transfer from ECU to escape with a 21-20 win. Number 19, Arkansas, gets four total touchdowns from quarterback K.J. Jefferson, and the Hogs beat number 23, Cincinnati, 31-24. Had a wild one down in San Antonio. Number 24, Houston, needed three overtimes to get by UTSA, 37-35 the final there. Number 25, BYU in South Florida, had to wait out two and a half hours worth of weather delays, and when it was over, the Cougars stomped the Bulls 50-21. In baseball, Angels walked off the Astros 2-1 in 12 innings. Dodgers snapped a rare three-game losing streak with a 12-1 win over the Padres. Brewers picked up a game on the Phillies for the final NL wildcard spot. Had an 8-6 win over the Diamondbacks. Milwaukee two and a half games back of Philly to get into the playoffs. And Mets pitcher Max Scherzer pulled himself from tonight's game, or Saturday night's game, I should say, after the fifth inning due to what he called fatigue on his left side. He does expect to make his next start, though. Chris, back to you. All right, good stuff, man. Nick, really fun working with with you tonight. Likewise. Uh, Okay. Let's do it again soon. Well, I mean, I like to sleep, so let's get you a better time (laughs) slot here. We'll we'll get you on with Arnie and I or something. Okay, before you get out of here, because I know you got to get real quick, what was your concern level over the announced attendance for today's game, 27,143 for UCLA Bowling Green? UCLA won, but it was a record low mark for the Bruins at the Rose Bowl. Honestly, not concerned because it was expected. I'm really not all that surprised. It was just the perfect storm of an uninteresting opponent, I think, for the average UCLA fan. Bowling Green coming all the way over. You know, really hot weather. It's been a week of hot weather down here. No one... I know it's hot. You know, we're watching the replay of Utah and Florida on the TV, and Cal Whittingham had to change his shirt out in the course of that game because of the humidity. But <laughs> I think correct there's, me if I'm wrong, Nick. Too, I don't believe UCLA students are back in session yet. Correct. Either. That's also another thing, Chris. Ah, they're on, UCLA's okay. on the quarter system, so they're not. Students aren't going to be back until about the third week of September. So you also have that contributing. So to be honest, the next couple weeks when they take on Alabama. Alabama State and then South Alabama, <laughs> they're going to be t- tough crowds again as well. But if the team continues to win, you've got Utah coming in the first week in October. Uh, you're you're going to have games against Stanford. You're going to have USC in November. If UCLA has a solid year, then for those big games, you're going to see the Rose Bowl packed. It's not like people aren't coming to the games. All right, uh, Nick. Yeah. Have a great morning, man. I appreciate you. Hey, you too. Thanks. All right, let's hit a couple of tweets here on, and speaking of the Pac-12, what caught your eye? What really, it was a very simple question that was asked about four hours ago. What is your biggest takeaway from the first full Saturday of college football? Now, the Pac-12 caught a few strays here at Prep Sports Plus writes that without USC, the Pac-12 is at best the Mountain West Conference. Oh, and has always been. Heck, may as well be the Big East Conference. All right, I'll push back on that a bit. It's not like USC has been good. And if you want to talk about brands, okay. We, we, we can have that conversation in football. But, I mean, if you're trying to suddenly say that USC has been this, this college football juggernaut, well, I don't think I'm breaking any news whenever we quickly realize that they haven't had a seven-win season in you know five years. 
did I say seven? Uh, an eleven win season in five years, and they've only had two double digit win seasons since two thousand and twelve. They've only finished in the top five what once in the last decade. And they haven't been in the national championship picture since Pete Carroll's next to last year in 2008. So outside of the year, what was it 17 or 16? I think it was 16 when we tried to force him. Yeah, 16, we tried to force him into the championship picture because that was Sam Darnold's year where he didn't start the season and Max Brown did and they got smoked by Alabama but suddenly they went on a run when they started Sam Darnold and you had people like Joe Klatt saying I think USC should be in the national championship picture don't lose three games but I mean I get it from a brand perspective I, I absolutely understand but it's I love the Mountain West Conference. The Pac-12, even without USC and UCLA, is still more relevant than the Mountain West Conference. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. What else? Another Pac-12 catching strays here. Ronnie. Ronnie writes, the Pac-12 still has no playoff teams. Notre Dame has a great defense and no offense. Alabama and Georgia will be in the playoffs. Early September games are still hot, and the Oklahoma Sooners can play defense now that they have a real coach. Uh, Chris, you and I were talking about Notre Dame earlier. Now, I, I'm a little bit disappointed. We haven't had a ton of time to talk about it tonight because it's been more about, you know, Ohio State overcoming, uh, Georgia being dominant. But you and I both came away very impressed with what Notre Dame did defensively uh, and, and finding a way to shut down a very high-powered, high-profile uh, Ohio State attack. Yeah, look, I there's there's no such thing as a moral victory sometimes. In college football, that loss still hangs heavy on you. But come on, this is a first-year head coach who played at Ohio State, by the yes. way, Marcus Freeman. And has James Laurinaitis on his staff who played there. Yes, and they're breaking in a new quarterback. Like, this is, this is I, I'm impressed with the season that, I mean, the offseason that Notre Dame had where, you know, look, Brian Kelly tried to take his staff down to Baton Rouge and everyone stayed in South Bend. And like, you expected that out of Tommy Race because he played quarterback at Notre Dame, but everyone else stayed. So, like, they had a lot to prove here, and they handled themselves very well in an incredibly hostile environment in the sh- in the horseshoe in front of an, a, an insanely loud crowd against an offense that everyone thought was just going to steamroll Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame should drop out of the top seven when the next polling comes out. I know it's... You know, it's it's early season sure. polling can do whatever, but like if you're putting them number five and they start against Ohio State and they lose as you expect them to lose against Ohio State, but also they don't lose by that much. No. They they don't lose by that much. I know it like maybe to an NFL mind, eleven seems like a lot, but I think Ohio State was a seventeen and a half point favorite in this game. So they covered. They covered, but also yes, the, they, they, did. they went into the half leading as well. And they had the blueprint for Ohio State that Michigan had. They like didn't have said, the, they didn't have Aiden Hutchinson or the defensive players to execute against Ohio State at the time, so they obviously weren't going to stop them. But they held their own against Ohio State, and this is this is a Notre Dame team whose schedule is going to include North Carolina, USC, BYU, who's currently ranked, and uh, forgive me, I'm missing. Oh, Clemson. Clemson is coming up later in the year. Like they're going to have chances to salvage their pride and show you why they're a very strong team. And if they're at the 11-1 at the end of the season and they've cleaned up against Clemson and USC and UNC, then I don't think that loss against Ohio, that is 
So let, let's borrow the SEC's terminology. That's a quality loss. That's a very quality loss to Ohio State. I'll add this too. Um, I don't take him out of the, the playoff picture quite yet. I mean, that, that was a really, really solid defensive performance, and they're going to be a problem. I mean, season. if you're a Notre Dame fan, you've got to be happy for the future, too. You, that's Yes, it's a loss. It sucks right now, but that's got to be a point of pride. You, you can, un, unlike Oregon, who went into Atlanta and came and just got a, a, a road roller pulled over them, like you walked out of the horseshoe. You walked out of that Gladiator Arena holding your head high. You you are respectable coming out of that. Uh, a couple weeks, it's going to be fun to see them play BYU. I think that's a fascinating matchup on their schedule. Uh, end of the season against USC will be interesting to see where both those teams are by that point. But I agree with the text. I came away very impressed today with Notre Dame. Joe writes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Well, it's sports. <laughs> I mean, you... Welcome to the National Football League. Everyone's building up the AFC West, but guess who's still the favorite to win it? The Chiefs. It's just, it, it's what you have a couple teams that get dominant and roll. They take over in sports. Jason B. Diamond writes, Georgia and Alabama are still the two best teams. You could not be more right. Now, again, this is early. This is early in the season. We still have time, but for now, it's good. A snake writes, you better get your thoughts out now on Arizona's win because you won't get a chance tomorrow night when Arnie waxes poetic about the game for three hours. Um, well, I didn't see how Arnie did on his picks. So it's we talked e- about the iced tea, Arizona? <laughs> no, yeah, that's the only thing that's been relevant with the Arizona name on it for a while. But no, with, with the Wildcats winning, I'm sure we'll hear about how they're going to beat Alabama and go to the national championship game because there's no, hey, that was a good win. I hope they have a good season. It's we won the game. We're winning the national championship. That's, I'm preparing myself for that. I might start. I might pregame for our show so I can handle it. I might get those tailgate but, get those butt ices together. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Mark writes, Nebraska is as bad in year five of Scott Frost as they were in year one. Of Scott Frost. Can, can you please help me? What? Why are they sticking with Scott Frost like they have been? Because his buyout doesn't lower until October 1st. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> uh, I had a friend of mine that uh, theorized tonight whenever it was 17-17. He said, I think Scott Frost is tanking, so he forces them to fire him before October 1st. I don't think that's the I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. Uh Michael writes, UGA is just really good. That's the reality of it. Uh and uh Sooner Soldier. Hard body Colorado. What a weird uh, Twitter handle name. I love it though. The ACC really needs to stop scheduling road trips to group of fives teams. Uh, lost ODU, needed a game management mistake, going for two when not needed, and missed a last-second field goal to avoid two other big upsets. Yeah, North Carolina State's on the road to East Carolina. Virginia Tech loses to ODU. By the North way, going for two for App State was absolutely the right move. I thought it was, too. Like, but I, I, don't, I don't kick. respect a PAT. when you it's, it's over 100 combined points. Like, Go for the win there, man. Go for the win. All right. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on this with five key storylines to watch this week as we kick off the NFL season right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fun time is always sitting in for Bernie Fratto, who will return next Saturday night into a Sunday morning. Brian Noah and Andy Furman coming up next right here 
on Fox Sports Radio. My man Brian Noah has been all over the place. So, And he was all over Notre Dame. That was a good call. Cover the spread tonight. Uh, I was really impressed with Notre Dame. Uh, I, I think one of my big takeaways was in a situation where we spent a lot of time kind of ball washing Marcus Freeman this week. He lived up to the hype. And I thought it was great. Um, but I will say... Their road is tough this year, man. BYU's not a pushover. Clemson's going to be really good. Uh, I think that USC game, final week of the season, is going to be fascinating. But Notre Dame, you have my attention. You have my attention. Uh, Next week, Texas, Alabama. It's going to be hot. 12 Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. I mean, it's, it's not quite to the fall fun yet. And I guess what you could say is flyover country. Though Austin, a little bit more. Uh, in, in in the circle of love and acceptance than, say, the Panhandle State. So next week, Alabama, Texas will be fun. Quinn Ewers looked pretty good today through a really inexplicable interception for Texas, but it's a game to get excited about next week. So tonight, Tennessee, or Florida State, and their showdown with LSU. Interesting to see what Brian Kelly's team looks like. They've got Jalen Daniels. believe he's going to play quarterback, and you know, we'll see. Uh, they, they've kind of been odd. They've been weird about who's going to be their starting quarterback. But I really like what I saw from Florida State. I know it was Duquesne. Look at that. I don't know how you get Duquesne out of Duquesne, but whatever. Um, they look good. They had three different backs go for 100 yards. Travis Rogers looks looks solid in in running the offense. So I am I am a firm believer in Florida State being better. Are they good enough to beat LSU? We'll see. The problem is they're playing in the dome. And when anytime you play in in New Orleans, you play in the Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in DC, Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What is the Mercedes-Benz Dome now? You're going to get a very pro LSU crowd, and I'm here for it. I think it's going to be a fun night. I think it's going to be a, a good game, and I, I think Florida State's going to come in with a really good plan. You know, Florida State, we forget last year, nearly beat nearly beat Notre Dame in the opening weekend, and then things fell apart. 
And by the way, did I say Travis Rogers? Jordan Travis, the starting quarterback for Florida State. My mind is a sieve. All right, with that in mind, I got five key storylines that I'm intrigued by for the NFL season. We'll go more in-depth with these later tonight with Arnie Spanier, 10P to 1A Central Time on Fox Sports Radio. Number one, and relevant to Thursday night's game, Matt Stafford's health. We've heard about elbow issues. We've heard about talking to baseball trainers. Seems odd to me. It's become kind of a quiet story, but something I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, Number two, the Bengals bounce back. Right, Teams that lose in the Super Bowl, I mean, outside of, I guess, the Chiefs, teams that lose in the Super Bowl, I guess the Chiefs are a good example. Last year, they didn't get back. They sometimes struggle that following season. How do the Bengals handle not being everyone's kind of Cinderella story? Joe Burrow, obviously fantastic. He and Jamar Chase have something special. What does that look like? Number three, who steps up in the big wide receiver moves? Is it Tyree Kill? Is it A.J. Brown? Is it Devontae Adams? And then in that, three quarterbacks who are very much expected to do more. George, uh, Jalen Hurts, Derek Carr, and obviously Tua Tagovailoa. Number four, Tank City. Tank for Will Anderson. I don't care about these quarterbacks. Give me Will Anderson. No, Seattle, if they got the number one pick, would probably want to go quarterback. And every year in the National Football League, I feel like we have a worst-to-first team. Who could be that team in 2022 that goes from DFL to number one? I would say keep an eye on the Broncos. We're out. Great job by the crew tonight. BT, always love working with you. Chris Perfett, you're the man. And thanks to Nick Cope as well. Brian No, Andy Furman coming up next. Arnie Spanier and myself back tonight, 11 Eastern until 2A on a football weekend on Fox Sports Radio. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. There's plenty to celebrate in March and National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. (laughs) 